You're listening to the Tech Bytes podcast from the Packet Pushers, where we spend 15 minutes or so at the intersection of business and technology. Our topic today is securing remote work for 2021 and beyond. Our sponsor is Zscaler, and our guest is Pam Kubiatowski. She is Senior Director of Transformation Strategy at Zscaler, or as my Australian co-host likes to say, Zscaler, but that is neither here or there. Uh, Pam, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, Earlier this year, lots of organizations were on emergency footing as they grappled with this wide-scale move to distributed work. And now it's clear that the time has come to move beyond such a reactionary posture. Uh, we got to get past best effort. How do we make wide-scale remote access more consistent, more operational, more sustainable? Well, first, Drew and Greg, thanks so much for having me. Um, It's great to be here. So, you know, as you stated, we're no longer in a reactionary state, right? If organizations haven't been looking at how to advance their security posture, and and we're talking about not throwing boxes at it, right, and adding more complications to already complicated environments, they need to start really quickly. You know, in your previous sessions with my peers, um, Nate gave a great overview of Zscaler technology, and and Lisa kind of dug into why VPNs were risky prior to this past year. Um, When you look at it, there are so risky now, even more so due to the compromises that IT teams have made. You know, um, it's interesting. Early this year, I hosted a number of roundtables related to working from anywhere. And and during, um, it was it was amazing. I'd ask the attendees, so who's allowing split tunnels on their VPNs, right? Oh my goodness, you wouldn't have thought I called everyone's baby ugly. I swear. Okay. And unanimously, they were all like, no way. Who would allow split tunnels on VPNs? That's crazy. Because it's it's insane, right? Because everybody was like, oh my God, what are you saying to us? Well, the thing that I've heard is that most companies are enable it. The people who are having problems are the people who can't upgrade the internet bandwidth into the data center. There's a three month or a six month lead time to go from a one gig to a 10 gig circuit. And they're using split tunneling just to cope with the dramatic load increase. Absolutely. Well, the interesting thing, right, Greg, is as the year went on, and I'm talking to all these IT organizations and all of a sudden sudden, they're like, well, yeah, we had to make a risk-based decision and they changed their approach. And now they allow split tunnels to trusted destinations, right? Yeah, because they ran out of bandwidth. When you asked well, the, the end first, users were furious. Yeah, because everything, once they're connected to work, all the traffic was looping back to wherever the central office was and then going out to the internet, all the web browsing would have been trash and so forth and so on. And eventually you have to, you know, uh, you undergo a process of digital transformation because that's what it is, right? Absolutely. A, a split tunneling is a digital transformation. It's a recognition that the internet is the primary source and the data center itself is a secondary effect and you just have to cope with that. But of course, the challenge here is once you're split tunneling and letting direct access to the internet, a lot of your security posture goes out the door. Absolutely. And so it's key, right? Because what people don't know is going to ultimately hurt them. Zscaler has a threat labs. I'm not sure how many of you know about our threat labs and it monitors our global environment, right? There's there's over 150 data centers in the world distributed. We see on average about 140 billion transactions a day, of which, are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. 100 million threats are detected and blocked in our environment on a given day. This is what blows my mind with our environment. There's 175,000 on average unique updates a day. Yeah. Right? Who can do that besides Mm -hmm. Zscaler? And this is important because the way that Zscaler works is that you actually have a, a data centers all over the world. You said 170, I think it was. 150. Um, 
150, and you bring all the data into them and then you scan them. So even if people are breaking out to the internet, they're still sending that traffic into the Zscaler infrastructure before it goes out to the internet so that you can sanitize it, safe it, and protect the users from themselves. You know, Greg, it's so key from an internet perspective and internet destinations, why would companies not want to stop malicious traffic from ever getting to their end user? You know, that endpoint protection should be an insurance policy, right? Mm. It shouldn't be about, hey, it has to be there. It has to be updated. That end user has to reboot that PC, that laptop, right? Protect yep. it. Protect them before it ever gets to them. And that's about Zscaler's internet access. Well, I think protecting them from it is only one part of this, right? There's other aspects of what Zscaler offers to the traffic. Absolutely. When you, when you really look at it, um, our zero trust architecture is like no others. And people out there can say their platforms are, you know, are, are zero trust. It's not because for us, how we define zero trust mm. is about a zero attack surface, right? You can't see anything. You can't attack anything. It's about connecting, right? That user to the app, not to the network. How many networks, VPNs connect to an actual network that goes east, west, and flat, right? Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean then if you're talking about zero attack service? That's a big uh, promise. So can you drill into that a little bit more? How are you providing a zero attack service? I assume there has to be some kind of at least a client piece or something on the remote endpoint that you're using. Right. So what happens is when you look at that zero attack service, there's nothing actually exposed to the internet. So if I'm getting into an internal application, what happens is there's a lightweight agent that sends out my laptop. And what I do is, let's just state I need to get to SAP and it's sitting inside. Oh, it's either a cloud hosted, right? Sitting in, in one of the, the big ones or it's sitting in my data center. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to do is I'm going to click on SAP. When I click on SAP, our lightweight agent knows it's an internal app. It, reach, it, it actually has a secure connection to the Zscaler environment. It says, hey, I got Pam Kubiatowski out here. She's looking for SAP because it's part of each company's tenant, right? So you can only talk within your own tenant. Mm. And all of a sudden, there's a lightweight VM that's sitting. It's a connector that's sitting closest to where the applications reside. That connector, connector excuse me, says, hey, I got SAP here. Let me mm. talk to the Active Directory, which is, let's just say it's our identity platform. Mm -hmm. And it says, hey, Pam's got access. She's authorized to go in. But what happens is I don't technically go in. What happens is that app connector sitting at that data center next to SAP sends an outbound stitch to the actual Zscaler environment. And our two outbound connections are stitched together to create that secure tunnel. The only thing I can see is SAP. I can't see anything else. Okay. So you're not, it's not like the typical VPN where I'm landing at some kind of concentrator and I've essentially got a client on the entire network. I'm specifically restricted to whatever app I'm connected to. And it's essentially almost being proxied by Zscaler. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. We do not allow you to connect to a network. And, and this is important because effectively every user becomes a micro segment. So where Z Zscaler connects to the user's edge they're all in a microsegment and all the data flows through Zscaler. So that's the zero trust um, angle that you're taking. Absolutely. So if you are connecting to five different apps, you have five different connections. Mm. It's kind of like what Nate talked about, right? Think about all the different windows you have open. Each one is a connection. Effectively, yeah. Well, each user has its own subset 
or a micro segment between you, me, between the user and Zscaler's infrastructure. And then each app itself is also secured because that when the packets arrive, Zscaler actually isolates them in, a, in its own jail and separates them out and inspects them. So, you know, obviously the endpoint itself remains vulnerable, but the traffic itself is isolated as it goes out to Absolutely. versus the public network. Absolutely. Um, and the zero trust aspect then comes in because one, I'm not getting a, a client on the entire network. And two, there's also some kind of authentication and authorization step in between whatever it is I'm using, be it Active Directory or some kind of cloud service. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. All right. So then my next question would always be, um, if I've got all of these essentially micro-segmented tunnels running uh, and a Zscaler is getting in front of my application, what about performance? It's phenomenal because you're going direct. If you think about it, it's the shortest distance because there's 150 data centers around the world. It's geo-based. So you're always connecting wherever it's the closest um, destination, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you're not tromboning via the corporate no, data center. In, um, you know, if you're in an Australian company and you're sending the traffic back to the data center in Sydney, but you're in uh, in Northern Europe, that's <laughs> that's 240 <laughs> milliseconds, right? right. It's <laughs> that's not a happy like day, the, you know. Hey, listen, it's not like the 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 architectures of the past of backhauling. We don't backhaul. You're going to connect the most direct route there is, whatever that is. But guys, there, there's a couple more pieces to the zero trust for Zscaler. It's about a proxy architecture, right? Not, not a pass-through. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. about providing that full content inspection yeah. with the SSL, all of that, right? That whole but, package. But there's also the part here where if I'm going to Azure, I go into Z Zscaler and then Zscaler sends me to the local node of Azure. I'm not Absolutely. looping back to the data center and then looping to the Azure near the, near the corp data center, you know, and tromboning that way. I'm, I'm coming directly to the nearest, well, in theory, the nearest Azure node to me subject Correct. to the load balancing that they provide. So this gives you the best. Um, and I think the other side too, of course, is that this scales quite nicely because Zscaler does all the scaling. The more users I have, it's Zscaler's problem to make all that intermediate stuff work. Absolutely. And, and we're great at scaling. Um, it also is a multi-tenant architecture. This is so different than all these others that are claiming that they are a zero trust architecture. Because what happens is if when you when you look at a multi-tenant design, compared to those single tenant architectures that are out there, think of it this way. Those single tenant architectures, would you go ahead and, 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 and contemplate this? Would you go ahead and would you buy your services from Netflix if they just went ahead and jerry-rigged a bunch of DVD players all together to provide your service? <laughs> no. Uh, before, before Netflix was somebody. I thought that's what ne did, Netflix was. Isn't there somebody just <laughs> loading a DVD every time I click on an image? <laughs> right, but think about it. Pro Netflix doing that. There's no way they'd be able to go ahead and support these multinational or, or really anyone. So we, we teased at the beginning, uh, looking ahead to 2021. So I guess my first question is, what's Zscaler working on? And second, we sort of position this around remote work. If people eventually start going back to offices, is uh, like a zero trust and a cloud-based security model still relevant? Uh, it, it's completely relevant because you know what? Quite frankly, if you look to 2021, one of the things we're seeing, um, and again, um, you know what? I, I talk to customers, prospects, peers every day. It's what I spend my days doing. And and this is Pamela's view on the world, right? But But so many are focusing on reducing costs. They have got to hit their internal budgets. Right, and they're they're minimizing spend and rationalizing real estate. Um, they're going to be closing facilities. There's going to be so much activity from a business perspective. They're going to, you know, we do believe that there are going to be groups that go back, 
you know, companies that will send their workforce back to the office. Mm-hmm. Others, because they have to rationalize that office space, that real estate, they're going to continue to work from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it also, there's another point I think that's very important here is I think you're going to see it's going to be a prime opportunity for companies to acquire other companies. You're going to need, these companies are going to need a technology that can very quickly and easily and not cost a fortune, go ahead and create this cross company connectivity between disparate networks Mm. in order to benefit from these mergers and acquisitions that I do believe in 2021 is really going to um, skyrocket because it's going to be an opportunity where it'll help the market. Right. But, but that relates to an IT perspective then. Because from an IT perspective, um, if people haven't already evaluated where they are with their architecture and do they have the right visibility, they need to start very quickly because I hear from so many, it's about enhancing an end user experience and providing the same security. There's a couple of different things about the feature part here that I just wanted to throw in. One here is we talked a lot about any user going to any destination. What we didn't talk about is any data center, any destination. That is, if you have the traditional VPN where everything terminates at the head, or even if you're split tunneling, you're still not supporting the public cloud resources. So you might uh, decide that uh, your current data center is full and you need to move to a colo, mm-hmm. or you might want to put some stuff in AWS or Azure and try and get capacity while you um, react to the current situation and the increase in technology. We're seeing a lot of companies. Um, I was reading some research that sort of suggested that enterprise IT spending is up by 20% for most companies as they try and cope with the transition. And the thing about the Zscaler approach is that it actually lets you say any user anywhere, but also any source, any destination, wherever it is, whether it's in the public cloud, the private cloud, whatever. Absolutely. And that's what's key about the end user experience, right? It's all about creating ubiquitous connectivity for a user to wherever that application is sitting. And it should be like magic. It should be, quite frankly, I'm going to date myself, ready? It's like <laughs> dial tone. Do you remember dial Ooh. tone when you had a phone <laughs> that was hanging in the kitchen on the kitchen wall? Mm-hmm. That's right? not an invitation to ring me. That's not, don't, don't call <laughs> but, me. Don't. But guys, right, you picked up the phone, the receiver, and there was dial tone. It was magic. Yeah. That's how it should be for an end user. An end user should not have to think about where an application resides. The best thing about the Zscaler technology is they don't have to think about it. Mm. Whether it's a SaaS-based solution or an, uh, an application that was yesterday in their data center internally or got moved to Azure during the night, mm. the Zscaler technology, if you, if you embrace it together, the internet access and the private access, it's going to go ahead and allow that magic to happen for your end users in addition it's going to give them that security because you're uh, yeah. able to apply policies so it's the same exact experience off-premise as on-premise. So if I suddenly bring on a new application, so suddenly I adopt Salesforce or some sort of Oracle cloud service or whatever it might be, the Zscaler is going to be able to bring me on board. I don't actually have to work out the hard part. You don't have to tell a user where anything resides any longer. You know, today with VPNs, an end user sits there and says, oh God, okay, is that an internal app? Do I have to use VPN? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll just use VPN. Or and then somebody has to experience. tune the VPN to have an access list to say what you can right. access and what you can't. Mm-hmm. Well, Pam, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation and thinking about dial tone has been a wonderful trip back into the past. But um, if folks want to find out more about Zscaler and what you're up to, where would you send them? We have a couple places for you. You can go to zscaler.com and or go to zscaler.com with Securing Remote Work. It's a great remote work ebook we put together. And also users can go ahead, uh, anyone listening can go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn. 
Great. So that's zscaler.com slash securing dash remote dash work. We'll also have that link in the show notes that accompany this podcast and Pam's link to her LinkedIn account if you want to connect with her online. Thank you, Pam. And thank you, Zscaler, for sponsoring the show. If you like the show and others, you can find many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.